0: I don't think I have to be the one to tell you that we live in a, in a crazy world um, we have a government or a society that as of recently has found ways to try to justify their own sinfulness using the word of God. We're no strangers to that. We've seen that. Um, And um, I hope this text that we're going to dive in today, I'm going to break, try to break it down into five points. It's a large um, portion of the scriptures, but the main idea is that we learn how to do the right thing. Okay. As children of God, as Ambassadors of Christ and those who say we believe in Jesus, we are called to do the right thing. Always do the right thing. Regardless of what others do to us, we are still called to do the right thing. Let me tell you this story that happened uh, by way of introduction. So earlier this week, I believe it was Monday, because on Mondays I take my son Xavier to this little play pre-pre-K school situation where... Parents all have to be there. It only lasts two hours, Um, uh, and and that's how I spend my Monday mornings from 10 to to noon. And this particular Monday morning, Xavier, my son, uh, was playing as any other day, and there were these other two kids in the class who just found it fun to chase Xavier around and hit him with toys. One kid in particular was hitting them with a, 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 like a stuffed turtle and kept hitting them. And then he gave a toy to his other friend and said, let's go get them. And they kept on like just bothering him. And I try to stay out just to let him learn how to navigate those waters. And he actually removed himself from the situation, went to another table to start doing his art. And I'm like, good job, good job from a distance and then the boys continue to follow him, and one in particular is hitting him with the stuffed turtle. And he's older than Xavion, but he's smaller than Xavion because Xavier is a huge kid. And Xavier turns around and looks at him, gives him one nice push, and the kid goes flying across the room, falls down, starts crying, face is all red. His grandma comes pick him up, looks at Xavier like, oh, mm. and then... Takes him into the bathroom. And she's like, oh my gosh, I've never seen him this pale. He's like terrified. And all of a sudden, now my son is this villain. And I go to him. And I say, Xavier, come here. Come here. Come here. Um, what do you do when somebody hits you? He says, very emphatically, I hit them back. I was like, <laughs> I, was like I was a little proud at that moment, but I had to hold back my smile and my chuckle and tell him I understand, but the right thing to do is to tell the teacher. He says, tell the teacher? I say, yes, David. Tell the teacher. Okay. So, justice says I repay the evil with my own evil. That's what justice says, right? Or somebody did me wrong, I'm going to Do them harm. If somebody hit me, I'm going to hit them. You know, that's justice, so to speak, right? An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And we're all blind and toothless, right? Grace says, however, I will repay your evil with what? With good. And God calls us to always do the right thing, which is being good. So it's harder, but that's what we're called to. And I hope as we dive into this, you will see that. So starting with verses 11 and 12, give us a little bit of a background for doing the right thing means walking in authority with God. So doing the right thing means walking in the authority of God. If you're always doing the right thing, being righteous, James chapter 4, 17 says, he who knows what to do, the right thing to do, and he doesn't do it for him, it is sin. Okay. So we are called to do the right thing. When we fail to do the right thing, we actually fall into sin. Now, this text alone, we could sit here and do a whole sermon, if not an entire series of sermons. But I just wanted to read this to give us some background as to how he's telling us that even though we're we're sojourners and exiles in this foreign world and currency, we're in this fallen, broken, beat down world, even though we are citizens of the new Jerusalem because of the blood of Jesus Christ that has washed us and now runs through our veins, we are sojourners, we are exiles, but we still must conduct ourselves in an honorable way as Christ's representatives in this foreign world of darkness. For this world, sin is normal, it's fun, it's what you do, and the younger you are, the more sin you're supposed to do. That's what this world teaches, but the Word of God is telling us that we must remain honorable, men and women of truth, men and women who love Not just those who love us, but are willing to love our enemies, our neighbors, those who are different from us. We are men and women who speak the truth in this broken world. This broken world of lies, when you are somebody who is known as a truthful person, you disrupt orders. And people know that they can come to you because you're always going to be truthful. That's the right thing to do. It's not always the easy thing to do. But it is always the right thing to be truthful. And so for us to be men and women of truth, men and women of love, is how we represent God honorably in this fallen and broken world. We do the right thing. We love everybody, even though they don't all love us. And we operate in the spirit of grace so as to leave vengeance to God. Moving on. Well, the day of visitation. So here we go. So. So that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So now what does that mean? This world that is watching you, as you say you are a follower of Jesus, they're watching you. And they're watching Jesus. And they say, hey, you did this, but Jesus did that. I don't think you really represent Jesus well. Gandhi said it. A whole lot of famous people said it. I love your Jesus. I just don't like you Christians. Because you Christians are so uh, uh, uh face or whatever the case is they're calling us but God is saying here if we actually make it a habit to do the right thing to be men and women of truth, to be men and women of love and of character, then the Gentiles who are watching us who are calling us evildoers, they're gonna look a little closer and they're gonna be like, oh I was wrong for calling him that he's actually he's actually really cool you know he's he's really cool. Wow, he did all of that for me, even though, wow, that's that's real love, wow. And and they are convicted that even though they were calling you an evildoer and all of that, but by your deeds, when they look and see what you've been doing and how much you've really been praying for them or loving them or giving them grace instead of justice, they will be convinced That, yo, your religion must be real. And they're going to glorify God on the day of visitation. The day that they actually have to look and judge and see how real is your faith, is your religion. They're going to conclude that this must come from God because there's so much good in it. Because your conduct was good, you honored God, and they actually glorified God on the day that God came to visit them. So we are called to do the right thing. Now I'm going to break down five different points or rewards or results or even examples. One is an example of what happens when we do the right thing. So point number one, do the right thing and you will silence all your haters. Point number one, if you do the right thing, you will silence all your haters. Verse 13 through 15 says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it is to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. By doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish foolish people. Now, what of this, Uh, making ourselves subject to every human institution for the Lord's sake. Now, we know that there is one final authority, God the Father, the creator of all the universe. There is one God who created everything that we know and can see and even can't see. This is the final authority. He is the one whom we submit to. Okay? Now, if we submit to him as the final authority, he says to you how you're going to actually honor me is by submitting to those authorities I put in place to govern you. So if I submit to the authorities that are governing me, am I submitting to these governments or am I submitting to God? Well, this is saying for the Lord's sake. Be subject to. For the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or, the, or to the governor as sent by him to punish those who do evil. Now, I want to be very clear. When this was being written, it wasn't as though Peter was living in a utopia. Peter was living in the Greco-Roman era where there was a lot of corruption in the government. There was a lot Of suffering among the Christians they were called all kinds of things that were inconsistent with who they were as Christians they were misrepresented in this society that he's speaking to yet still he says to them that they must submit themselves to every human institution not because the institution is free from corruption But because that institution was placed by God to govern the neighborhood or the nation or the state or the city, God is the one that put this hierarchy in structure and God uses them to bring about his justice, uses this government to put the bad people in jail and to reward those who do good. That's what the government is here for. Now there is corruption in government, yes. But again, as we're seeing, Just because they do wrong doesn't mean we do wrong in return. We are called to always do the right thing regardless. And when we do the right thing, those people, those governing people, for this is the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Now, Romans 13, three and four says, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of one who is an authority? Then do what is good and you will receive his approval for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid for he does not bear the sword in vain for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer so the government is placed here by God to bring about the justice of God but what do we do what do we do so before we get into that let me slow down so doing the right thing silences our haters how okay so if we continue to conduct ourselves properly for example I know Haitians I remember back in the day um, going to rallies in City hall with my parents and a lot of our parents and um Because Haitians were actually listed as one of the causes of AIDS by like the FDA. It was like written in the law that if you are Haitian, you are a cause of AIDS. It was homosexuality, dirty needles and drugs or whatever. And Haitians, it was officially written. And we had to go march on the city hall and we had to go march and argue and say, no, we're not the ones who brought AIDS to this country. And eventually, you know what they did? They removed it. Because we appealed to our higher authority, we appealed to the law and said, this is unconstitutional, this doesn't even make no sense, it's not true. And you know what they did? They removed it. But we didn't go and throw stones and we didn't um, have riots and we didn't uh, cuss out people and we didn't yell at people. We kept our conduct a certain way in order for us to be heard. Because if we didn't keep our conduct a certain way, our conduct would violate the fact that we're even here to express an injustice because we ourselves are prostituting an injustice. So if we continue to keep our conduct pure and good, those who are hating us, without reason, they will be silenced in their ignorance. As long as we continue to conduct ourselves the way God has called us to. Point number two, do the right thing. For the right reason, so one was doing the right thing, and you will silence your haters too. We do the right things for the right reason. Verse sixteen and seventeen says, "Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God, honoring everyone. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor." Now Galatians doesn't does a wonderful job of combating any form of legalism. If you're having any debate with someone who is a legalist, uh, 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 take them to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians in general, but Galatians chapter 5 in particular, and it tells you about how we are free in Christ to be individuals. We are free in Christ. You're free in Christ to be a Pentecostal, still in Jesus. You're free in Christ to be a a Baptist, still in Jesus. You're free in Christ To not even go to church, but if you believe in Jesus, you're free in Christ. Free in Christ. You don't have to just wear pants. You don't have to not wear gold jewelry. You don't have to do all these crazy rules and regulations. You don't have to go get circumcised. That's what Galatians was talking about. You don't have to go get circumcised to be a believer. You already are by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Live as free, as a free person. You're able to live and be the individual person you are. However, do not use that freedom as a cover-up for evil. Do not use that freedom as a cover-up for evil. Galatians 5.13 says, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. What does that mean? A lot of us get caught up in the things that we're allowed to do, or the Bible doesn't say anything is wrong in particular about that how you dress, the words you use, well, in some ways it does, but there's certain freedoms we have in Christ. He's saying that sometimes we actually prostitute those freedoms. Sometimes we take those freedoms to, a, to an extent that they actually start to harm others. Uh, an example in the scriptures is uh, people who have the right because they know, in Romans, you know that there are no other gods. You know that there are no other gods. There was only one God. So these foods that were sacrificed to uh, these particular gods, I know they're not really gods, so there isn't really any power over these foods that I need to be concerned about because I serve the one true God and he blessed this food, so anything that's on this food, I have nothing to really worry about. I could go ahead and have a feast. He's saying, but if that's causing your brother or sister who's weaker in their faith to actually fall, then even though you're free to do it, You doing it is actually causing someone else to fall and therefore it's evil. So do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Instead, as servants of God, honor everybody, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor, and be a servant. And in fact, uh, Galatians 5.13 says, uh, use as an opportunity for the, don't use it as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. And this is the hardest thing for me anything like me it's really hard to give up those things that you're used to those habits that you're used to those things that you've come to know don't really displease god in and of themselves but then when you look at the direct context that is being used you could see how it's actually being used for evil and now you have the the the, the to face the fact that are you going to let go of this thing like paul said if meat causes my If eating meat causes my brother to sin, I will never eat meat again. Can you say that? I mean, I'm preaching to me with that one. Um, We want to do the right thing, not just because it's the right thing, but we want to do the right thing for the right reason, to show the love of God to our brothers and sisters and be able to sacrifice on behalf of them so that grace may abound because we are those who do the right thing so that grace may abound. Uh, Moving on, we're going to move on. For the sake of time. Point number three, do the right thing in the face of injustice. So now we're going to get to the nitty gritty. Verse 18 and 20. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For For this is a gracious thing. When, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it you endure? This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Um, It's one thing to do wrong and suffer for it. When we do wrong should we suffer for it? Absolutely. But it's Sometimes not realistic for us to even come to that conclusion. I'll tell you a personal story. This week, same day that my son got into this altercation, and now I'm going to go pick up my wife from the train station after the school um, situation. After school's done, I'm going to pick up my wife with my son in the back, and I park at the train station. I'm waiting for her to get off the train so I could take her home. And The whole aisle where I normally would go and wait for her is all full. So there's nowhere to actually park on that aisle. So I go on the other side of the aisle. And now I'm sitting there for about 10, 15 minutes. And one of the bus drivers got out of the bus, came to my window, and started to cuss me out. Because I was parked in the wrong spot. She told me, you have this violation, that violation, this violation. Where'd you get your license? She started going in. On me and 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 I felt wrong because here I am minding my own business doing what I think is the right thing I got my son in the back I'm picking up my wife this is the good thing okay but this lady comes and she's yelling at me cussing me out I felt like I was wrong so I felt like vengeance is mine so I opened the door I got out of the car and I started to speak back to that woman I started saying things that I ain't going to repeat on this pulpit. Um, By the grace of God, I didn't swear or call out a name or anything, but I used some tones and I said some things that was out of character for me. In fact, as I got up to talk to her is when Yendi was coming in the car and she stops me. She said, Bobby, sit down. What are you doing? And she goes, I've never heard you speak like that. We've been together 10 years. What's wrong with you? And I'm like, you didn't hear this woman just cussing me out? Okay. And she's like, yo, but that's not you. That's not you, though. Regardless of what she did, that's not you. You gotta remain you. And then, to make matters worse, I drop her off, drop saving off. Now I'm headed to work, and I gotta put gas in the car. So I go to put gas in the car. Uh, The cheapest gas is the full service gas. It's the only one under $3. So I go to that one. And I didn't have enough money on my car. So uh, uh, the gas, the guy, he, he, he put the money, he put the gas in the car already. Then he went to go swipe the car, realized there wasn't any money on the car, came back and told me there's no money on the car. I said, oh, man, okay. So I started searching, looking for stuff. Didn't have anything. Because I hadn't cashed my check. Praise God, I have my check in my back pocket, but I had no money that I could give the man. So, I'm in the wrong. But the man looks at me and says, I know people like you. I don't trust people like you. I know you're, you're not going to come back with any money. And he starts cussing me out. <laughs> yo, yo. He starts cussing me out. And so I'm like, wait, what is going on? So again, I felt wrong. So, when we feel wrong, we say, vengeance is mine, even though it's the Lord's. And I got out of the car, almost forgot I was a black man, and I started yelling at this guy. And um, he backs up, like, OK, OK, OK. And now I'm in public, an angry black man yelling at a short Mexican guy. There's a cop on the corner. It just doesn't look good. So I asked him. Can you get your manager, please? Because I know I have to appeal to a higher authority to get myself out of this jam. Can I get your manager, please? Oh, sure, there's the manager. Okay, so I go to explain myself to the manager and try to tell him that I'll go to the ATM. I can cash my check, come back with with the money, whatever the case is. But he didn't even give me a chance to speak because he heard how I was speaking to his employee. And he automatically just started cussing me out. And telling me that my car is his property, and he's going to hold it, and he's going to call the police, and they're going to have a warrant for my arrest, and da and all this craziness. And, 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 and again, I felt wrong, so I was kind of arguing back and forth with the guy. Um, long story short, finally the officer intervened. He came in. He said, what's the problem? I told him, I can't leave without my license. He's telling me he has to compensate my license, but I have to go get money and I don't understand how I'm going to drive to go get money without my license. I can leave him my wallet. He doesn't want my wallet. Can you help? The officer takes a picture of my license, and he says, go. You have a half an hour. If you don't come back, then you're going to be a wall and there's going to be a warrant out for your arrest. No problem, officer. I go. I get the money. I come back. Before I go give the man his money, I pull out my phone, because I need a higher authority. I need witness. I record the whole incident. Before I go to the man, I go to the officer because I need an escort because I don't want him to say I did anything that I didn't really do. So I have the camera, I have the officer who's on my side now because I went to get him. I invoked a higher authority, and now when I approached the man, he had a completely different tone because now there's the officer, he's on camera. What's this about? Sir, I just wanted to give you your money, and I didn't want there to be any conflicting sides of the story. But I wouldn't have been able to do that and get out of that situation if I didn't invoke a higher authority. So all that to, be, to say that doing the right thing in the face of injustice, even when we feel like we've been wrong. I mean, <laughs> the funny thing is, God is saying that even when you've actually been wrong, in my examples, I was wrong. So I should have got cussed out. But I wasn't about that life. And a lot of times... We are wrong, but because that person said that to you a certain way, you feel like you can, you're can. you justified in, 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 in continuing and you're wrong. Or you're justified in telling them, well, what about, you ever had an argument with somebody where you showed them the error of their ways? It's very clear that they did something wrong and their response to you is, well, what about you? You have this, you have that, you have this, you have that. Yes, we're all imperfect, but... We're talking about you, and you did something wrong. God is saying that even when we are wronged unjustly, when somebody has wronged us, and we've done nothing wrong, we have to silently take it. Silently take it. Offering grace. What do I mean? Ephesians 6, verse 5 and 7 says, bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart. As you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Again, this is as to the Lord, we're called to do the right thing even in the face of injustice. so doing the right thing is to God and even if the man does wrong towards me, I'm not going to return wrong to him because God's saying do the right thing regardless. He did you wrong, do the right thing. He did you right, do the right thing. No matter what, do the right thing. And then he goes on to say, for what credit is it when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure. But if you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing. This is a beautiful thing. This is when you're operating in the authority of Christ. It reminds me of the civil rights movement and how all these young people would go down south and get beaten and uh, stuff thrown at them. And they did not revile in return. All they did was sit there and take it or they would sing songs to endure and keep their strength. And what that did was it, it ignited a, 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 a revival even among white people in this country to join with them and to go and march and to make a difference because they saw people suffering injustice and they did not revile in return and that that's a gracious thing that's where God operates so impactfully so powerfully in fact I hope you can see it because he gives us an example sorry he gives us an example in the following verses Do the right thing like Christ, our example. Number four, uh, verse, verse 21, for to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. 22, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. 23, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. To him who judges justly. A higher authority. Jesus is saying you guys mean all this evil against me? You're doing this? But I've submitted to a higher authority. He says I'm good. I got nothing to worry about. Vengeance is God's. When his time I don't need to get my hands dirty so that God has a problem with me. I'm going to keep my hands clean and let God deal with you. And then by doing that, he blesses me. And then by him blessing me and dealing with you, hopefully you can come to repentance because you saw that I could have judged you, but I didn't. And I offered you grace. That's the love of Christ. Hopefully you see it, repent and become a believer in Jesus just like I have. And the only way we can actually witness this powerfully is when we suffer harm for Christ's name's sake, suffer injustice for Christ's name's sake, but then return nothing but good and nothing but grace and nothing but love. And we have our enemies scratching their heads like, where does this even happen? And that's our opportunity to say, there's nothing good in me. It is all Jesus Christ, sir. Huh? Nothing good in me. It is all Christ. He is our example. He was beaten. He was threatened. He was... All these things happened to him, and yet he had no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. No sin was on him at all. Yet he took all of this still, entrusting himself to the highest authority. So when your boss is getting on your nerves, when your friends or family or people in your neighborhood or whatever people... Your governing authorities are getting on your nerves. Listen, there's a higher authority that we submit to. There's a higher authority that says to us, continue to do the right thing. Even though they mean harm against you, trust me, I will fix it. I'll fix them in the process. Five, do the right thing and sacrifice of yourself for the redemption of others. And that's the final point. Verse 24 says he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Verse 25 for you were straying like sheep but have now returned to the sheepfold and overseer of your souls. Now let me finish the story with my son. Right. So um, after Grandmother comes out. She um, is really upset because she wants Xavier to apologize to this kid who he just threw across the room. But he was being enticed. He was being the one provoked. Um, I didn't feel it was necessary for him to apologize first. In fact, the person who did the the, the harm should have apologized first. And the teacher came to speak to Xavier and tell him about, you know, when somebody is aggravating you. You know, you've got to keep your hands to yourself, this, that, and the third. We don't put our hands on people. And Xavier cut her off and said, they were hitting me. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't even have to say anything. He advocated for himself. He said, they were hitting me first, and that's why I hit them. Uh, and the grandma said, wait a minute. Were you really hitting him? And the boy says, yeah, I was hitting him. And then she goes, oh, so you need to apologize to him. He goes, okay, He has a hard time apologizing to my son because he was the one that was thrown across the room. But he was the one that started it. Long story short, he apologizes to him. And I tell Xavier, now you apologize to him for throwing him across the room. My friend Eli, a friend of mine, I I shared this story with him because he's a father of two. And I'm looking for advice. Did I do the right thing? He chastised me and said, you're making your son conform by making him apologize. He did nothing wrong. We want our kids to know that if somebody hits you, you hit them back. We're not going to conform and tell him he has to apologize for hitting a kid back. They kept on egging him on. They kept on bothering him. You wrong, Bobby. You wrong. All right. Later on in the conversation, he, continu- he told me a story about his situation. So this is my last illustration for this sermon. Um, this young man his name is E. He has a job. He's working as a custodian. Don't sleep custodians can make six figures, okay? He's working as a custodian, a janitor and he is no he's not unionized yet. He wasn't unionized yet. Now, the process is you have 30 days, 30 to 90 days before as a temporary employee before you get full time or you just they dismiss you. And he Had his 90 days go by, he did not get full permanent status. Another 90 days go by, he didn't get permanent status. He's upset. He goes complaining with with management. They give him the runaround. They give him the runaround. They give him the runaround. All the way till seven months go by, and he's still a temporary employee. Non-union, so he has no legal representation to actually make his case, because he's not in the union yet. He's not an employee, so what does he do? Fortunately for him, he does work part-time in a law firm. He asks his colleagues, and they said to him, the labor law says you can't be temporary for more than 90 days. So there's a violation of the law there. You should go talk to upper management. Okay, so now he goes over the head of middle management that was giving him the runaround. He goes directly to City Hall, the person at the seat of all education systems in the city of, um, city of Cambridge. And he speaks to him, and before he even gets a chance to open his mouth, the man at the table starts to tell him, well, this is the way things work, sir. This is not, we can't really do anything. In fact, we don't have to do anything. da 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 Give him the runaround, the runaround just like middle management. Until he opened up his mouth and said, well, the labor law of Massachusetts says, before he finished his sentence, the man perked up in his seat and said, labor law? What? So, yeah, labor law says that um, you can only be temporary for 90 days. And I've been I've been temporary for seven months. He goes, well, he got, tries to give him the runaround. Well, you know, sometimes this happens, et cetera. He goes, well, I, OK, but how about the other guy who got hired after me who got his full time benefited position within 30 days? Oh, might I mention he's white? Believe you me. This day, not only does he have his full-time position, but he's best friends with the highest ranking person in that entire city in the industry that he works in. So now he goes back. So now the, 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 um, the man sitting at the top calls his employees, which are E's mid-level management. So they're the ones who are giving him the runaround. And from the top, they get a direct order to deal with his situation immediately. Okay? And of course, they're all upset when they find out, and they're like, "Oh no, you weren't supposed to go over our heads. That's not the way it works. There's a hierarchical structure.." Da, 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 da. They messed up by putting that in writing and emailing it to him, because all he did was forward that email to the man at the very top. And he said, "Hey, mid-level management is saying that I did something wrong and I shouldn't have went and spoke to you. Is that correct?" Of course he responds, no, he did the right thing, mid-level management, leave him alone. So what do you think happens from that day on? He's left alone, and middle middle management knows they can't really touch him, why? Not because of who he is, not because of how great he is of an employee, but because of who he's connected to. He's connected to an authority that's higher than their authority. He's connected well, and so what we're saying is, and, and I hope you got out of this entire thing, Sometimes we are wronged. We're still supposed to endure with goodness, patience, kindness for the sake of Christ. And then once we endure, what do we do? We invoke a higher authority that is God through prayer, through reading of the word. And then once we invoke that higher authority, what do we do? We walk in that authority, which means we're going to just do the right thing. Regardless of how my wife treats me, I'm going to do the right thing. Regardless of how my Husband treats me. I'm gonna do the right thing regardless if I'm my children I'm gonna do the right thing because when you're dead and gone and you're sitting before God and he asks you Why didn't you do the right thing you have no one else to point to and say well? They didn't do the right thing. They didn't do the right thing. Well, I'm asking you Why didn't you do the right thing? Jesus says I made the example I gave you the example even though I did nothing wrong I was reviled and I did not revile in return Go, therefore, brothers and sisters, and even though evil is done against you, even though they speak ill against you, even though they lie about you and lie to you, do not lie in return. Still be honest and truthful. Even though they hate you, even though they malign you, do not hate and malign in return. Be loving. Even though they judge you, even though they they put you in a box with everybody else, Do not enter into that, but continue to operate in the spirit of grace. And then you will walk in the authority of God. The word of the Lord.